Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate- some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. The guys will truly reveal themselves when they're in front of their family. Like, their family knows them best. They can't hide. So okay. you're going to see such an amazing side of these guys. And I think this is why this week was my favorite. Just because you see, like, if you can really be there for the holidays right. and the future and all of that, it's pivotal. This is the pivotal okay. week. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues coming at you with the first <laughs> round of playoffs in Historic Season 18 of Bachelorette. We saw four players take Michelle to their hometowns this week. Just kidding. They all stayed in Minnesota and flew their families in to see them there. That was my sports announcer. Oh, my God. I was like, I'm going to put on a little playoffs <laughs> vibe and then just 
I was like, oh, I did nothing. <laughs> you just come out of left fucking field with that one. I got fired up. Tonight was the first round of playoffs. I get very excited every season when the playoffs come around because the game drastically changes. And with hometowns, we start to see that now the lead is doing some unique play that they were not doing in the regular season. We see Mm -hmm. the players are vying for new objectives within the game that we did not see in the regular season. And we even get to see brand new players come into the game in the form of these family members that have to either help or hurt whoever their player is in the game. I love hometowns. It's not my favorite round. My favorite round is, of course, Fantasy Suites, just like everybody else. But tonight had some great, great fucking play. Some stellar shit. We got to see our first Hoojus of the season a little late in the season Ugh, yes. for my taste. But, you know, at least we're getting uh, some now. <laughs> so I am happy about that. And we're going to break all that down for you. At least, you know, decorification hasn't completed where they fully eliminate hoojus from the from the floor. <laughs> yeah there's no more hoojus there's no more ptcs there's no more love levels they really go hard to degorify no. the game and it's just like it's just a show of people sitting around talking i mean you can't gore is the game exactly i agree they call blessings something else they call them yeah. like permission <laughs> they give them actual permission slips before we get into the game though we have some business to take care of You may not know this, but we are selling a book, How to Win the Bachelor. It comes out January 18th. We don't know how far we are in our goal to 10,000 books right now, so we cannot give you an update for the contests. But there has been some parasocial play regarding our beloved tome. We saw Tammy Lai. It was part of her unboxing Instagram story. We saw a little peek of the book. And we saw a beautiful, beautiful parasocial play by Jess Ambrose, host of the Chatty Broads. She did an Instagram story where she talked about the book, said she had read the whole thing and gave it, you know, two thumbs up, five stars. And that was a true honor for me. For me as well. And it is so satisfying to see these books finally going out. These are not the final print versions, by the way. The final print versions will be hardback. The versions you're starting to see in various players and people within the nation's Instagram stories are the early reading copies. So the ones that you pre-order will actually be hardback. They will come with... Less typos. (laughs) There will be less typos. And it will be the finally finished book. But we can't thank Just Ambrose and Tammy Lai enough and Bachelors in the City podcast who have also posted it and everybody who's about to start getting these early reading editions of the book. We hope you enjoy them and we can't wait to see what you do with them parasocially. Yeah, we got a a civilian post as well from uh, the leader of the San Diego crew, Dr. Lovegrove. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Lovegrove. Dr. Lovegrove doing fantastic work down there with the San Diego crew as always. And if you guys want to pick up your own copy of How to Win the Bachelor, you can pre-order it right now wherever you get your books. But if you go to howtowinthebachelor.com, you can enter some of our contests and you can read what they are on that website. We hope that you pick up a copy or two and help us in our goal of getting on the New York Times bestseller list so that we can sell our very own reality television program, which will be a game the likes of which this small world has never seen. We aim to do nothing short of revolutionizing not only dating shows, but reality TV as a whole by incorporating social media into a brand new game structure. 
So that's ultimately our end goal. What all this has been building toward, the podcast, the book, all of our study of our beloved game, really seeing what makes it work and then saying to ourselves, well, it could work a lot better, especially in the contemporary Mm -hmm. era, especially with social media. So we have our own show we're trying to sell. And this is all in service of that. Revolutionizing reality TV and perhaps revolutionizing society as a whole. A real game changer. For sure. It will solve all the world's problems. Mm -hmm. But before we get into the game tonight, let's break down real quick what we're looking for in hometowns. Because this is the first round of playoffs. As we said a little bit up top, there's some different game mechanics going on here. So as a lead and as a player, you are looking for glows and blessings. Glows are when a member of the family on whatever hometown it may be says audibly, you look happy. You look like you're in love. I can tell this is good for you. I've never seen this look before. Yeah. You're glowing. You're radiating with love. And blessings are when the lead, traditionally anyway, the lead asks the parents if it would be okay to propose to this person. Now, because of the kind of traditional power structures of our beloved game. Patriarchy. That's what I'm saying. They don't usually have bachelorettes asking for blessings. But we did see one in an early meeting of the family in this very season. Brandon was able to extract it from Michelle's parents when he was in the hot tub with her. And they they came home and crashed that day. Oopsie. But obviously, that was all planned. And then the third thing we're looking for is what are known as the five attacks. These are plays that the family members can make and very often do. These are how the family members attack the very idea of these two people being in love. The five attacks are time. They will say, you've only known each other for a short amount of time. How can this be real? Location. Are you prepared to move to wherever the lead is? Or is the lead prepared to move to wherever you want to live? Dating other people. Well, there's still three other people here. What the fuck's going on? What are you doing to my kid? Then there's heartbreak. (laughs) I don't want to see my my child be heartbroken, nor do I want to see that happen to you. And then the fifth attack... An exotic one is values. We see that from time to time. If the lead or a player has strong religious convictions, strong moral Mm -hmm. feelings one way or another about any given thing. How would you navigate being an interracial couple? Things of that nature. There's also some subtle play the family can do. You can load familiar walls maybe during the day portion. And maybe your, your bad cop parent can play the person who has walls up, like you're going to have to convince them they're the one who's issuing one of the five attacks. And there's also familial tears, which good players prepare their family and are able to (laughs) teach their family how to produce tears because those come off as extremely for TRR, endear them to the first and fourth audience alike. Mom and dad tears are as good as it gets in terms of quality of tear within Mm -hmm. our beloved game. Those carry the most weight. They fall the heaviest from the eyes. So with all that said, (laughs) now let's get into what we came here to do, Pace Case. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. All right. So we start out our hometown round, just as we start out every round of our beloved game with a teaser. This week is hometowns. This is a pivotal week, says Tasha. We see Rodney getting a glow. We see Joe taking Michelle to prom. We see Nate paddling Michelle into a lake. She says she has four strong connections. We see some mom tears, Nate tears. Somebody is talking about red flags. 
Some dad says that his son is not there yet. And Michelle tells us she has to follow her heart. These are all things I think that we've already seen in the past promos. No new information in this Mm -hmm. teaser. Just kind of showing us again everything they've told us we're going to see. And then we begin portion number one. Right off the bat, we see a beautiful line of avian creatures They're geese, I think, and they walk in a straight line, strutting their stuff, a parade representing and celebrating the start of playoffs, and this line of geese were mine. (laughs) Creature of the week. They were cute. Don't get me wrong. Definitely like these these geese. They were definitely strutting their stuff. No question about it. But there was a creature <laughs> a little bit later in the program that was really strutting his stuff. And we will get to that when it occurs. They were strutting their stuff. Totally. And they were beautiful. They were perfect. They had a prepared like presentation. I mean, essentially a limo exits of their own in the creature world. Yeah, they were great creatures. After these beautiful creatures, we see Tasia walking down a path with Michelle. This may seem familiar to you. It's the exact same shot they put together for Katie Thurston's season, where she was also walking down a path with Tasia talking about everything that was about to happen in hometowns. I mean, it's a carbon fucking copy image. And so Michelle is explaining to everyone that they're in this bubble, so they have to fly the families out to meet them in Minnesota. It's not going to be a traditional hometowns where she would be flying into each of their hometowns, but she's still excited. And then Michelle says she has four relationships that she's truly invested in and she wants to be calm her decision. All this is lies, obviously. The Sounds like you don't believe her. <laughs> no, I don't. Nor should anyone else watching this. The lead at this point, I mean, throughout the entire season... The lead must lie about forming these connections and caring about any of these people. We know the lead picks one or two people on night one. That doesn't really change. And here she is made once again to say that everybody means something to her and she's going to you know, have this hard decision to make. And then Tasha tells her that the guys are going to reveal themselves in front of their families. And this is her favorite week. It's the pivotal week. And Michelle asks uh, Tasha if she has any some advice on a good question to ask the families. <laughs> and Tasha says she should ask the families if their sons are ready for this. And we know that's going to come into play because we did see that in the teaser, who is ready to actually get engaged. And this kind of sets the stage for what is going to be the hometown week. We know it's a pivotal week, and we know that uh, Michelle is going to have to get to the bottom of are each of these players ready to be engaged. And we cut back to a guy chat in the hotel room, and Caitlin Bristow comes in. And tells them it's hometowns. Your families are already here. Nate says he's really excited to see his mom and his stepdad. They don't love level four in their family. And Nate produces tears right off the bat in this ITM. We're starting a very emotional storyline for Nate. Brandon is getting the first hometown. It's going to be his mom, his dad, and his brother Noah. And he says that his brother was supposed to go to the Navy pretty soon. And Caitlin reveals to him he actually delayed going to the Navy so he could be here for you. I don't know if we've ever seen a play like this. I wanted to call it a familial sabbatical, like his Mm. brother is delaying his job 
to come on the show. A normal sabbatical is when a player says like, oh, I quit my job to come on here or like I didn't get this promotion in order to do the show. I was curious about this too, because it was my understanding that once you sign on the dotted line to join the American war machine, you have to go do that then. Like, how do you call them up and be like, actually, I'm going to start my job in the war machine a little bit later because I need to be on a reality (laughs) TV show. I didn't think that was possible. Can you do that with any job? For Bachelor, there's it's a it's American exceptionalism. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Do they hearken back to Andy Baldwin, season 10, the Navy medic? Mm-hmm. They're like, we, we love our guy Baldwin. Exactly. He's our boy. And also, this is going to be a great commercial for us because we're going to make it seem like we really care about family and love. And that you can just kind of come and go as you please. And it's very chill. We're super chill. (laughs) Exactly. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Whenever you want to show up. But anyway, that's what we're told here. And we begin our first hometown. It is Brandon. And Brandon begins walking down a path to meet Michelle. Michelle is walking to meet him. And we get the first Huge of the seas. And this is, of course, the hug jump, my favorite subsport within our beloved game. And I got to say, this is a pretty good hooju. The approach <laughs> is really the only iffy part of it. It starts out great, big smile, arms wide, but Michelle Young doesn't give a full out sprint, doesn't even do a fast jog here to Jones. Instead, she has this kind of hitch step in the approach where she's like, no, you can come to me. But Michelle, that's not how hoojus work. (laughs) And we see the effect of the slowed down approach, which is that she doesn't build up the proper momentum to have a fluid mount. So when she gets to him, she has to employ her sheer athleticism. Luckily, she has quite a bit of that. And that allows her to essentially do a standing leap straight into a double ankle lock with a double elbow lock around the back of the neck, multiple kisses while she's in the cling, which seems to last for 10 minutes. She is on this guy forever, which was... Very impressive. We don't exactly see the full dismount, but she does maintain solid eye contact, full physical contact as she slides her arms into a handhold, gets one more kiss before walking away for the date. I rate this entire Huju an 8.94. And I went back and I rewatched her Huju with Matt James on her hometown mm-hmm. in season 25. As one does. Well, you got to compare it. You got to see if she's learned anything, if she's evolving her game, and she really hasn't. <laughs> It was a very similar (laughs) approach. It was kind of a slow jog. She did the same thing where she has a hitch step right when she gets to the anchor. The anchor is the person you're hoojuing. And it was the same thing. She kind of had to pull herself up on him. Now, Matt James is 6'5". He was one of the tallest anchors we've ever had. Not the tallest. We'll get to that in this very episode. But here, we see that same style applied. And again, because of her sheer athleticism, she gets a high score. But she is not a perfect hoojuer. She could use some practice here. She could use a coach. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I have missed this tone from you, Clues. It is very specific (laughs) for your favorite (laughs) subsport. I love the hooju. What can I say? I can tell when there's a creature coming. I can tell when there's a hooju coming. Look, I'm going to also just say this about these hoojus. I've rated each of the three that she did tonight. And I know a lot of people think the subsport is kind of a joke or that it doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you, the guy who got the lowest score ain't coming into fantasy suites. Ooh, spoiler alert. Thank For you. Who doesn't who do well? Well, Michelle, 
Loads of love level two for Brandon after this beautiful but needing practice hoodoo. And he tells her he's going to bring Portland to her. And in his ITM, he does a beautiful thing here. He says, it's hometowns, but today is about my heart. And home is where the people that are your heart are. What I really liked about this ITM was that he kind of defends the idea of that, that the hometowns are a bubble season, that they're not actually going to Portland. He's like, well, love and family, that's what all mm. that really matters. It's very 4TRR. It's very branded. He's got this very specific brand that's like cheesy, heartfelt. Totally. And he takes her to a skateboarding place. What would you call this? A- it looked like a garage to me that they just set up some wooden planks in. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess that that's a, a real Skate place. Building filled with ramps. Indoor skate park. Yeah, it's, you got to have an indoor one there in Minnesota. And he tells Michelle that this is something his brother and him did every day growing up. And he tells her he'll be his teacher. He'll be her teacher. But then <laughs> he keeps falling. And Michelle, I guess, he knows what he's doing, but he has to get the rust off. <laughs> this was, I mean, not quite an error, but Jesus Christ. If you're going to set yourself up for what we call a show-off date, Fucking show off. Make sure the yeah. thing that you're doing is something you're actually fucking good at. If the last time you skateboarded is when you're 12 years old, this ain't it, dude. You don't just roll that out and be like, yeah, I can still skateboard. Practice. This was, again, not an error, but not a great look. No, because we see the uh, what the other side of this looks like, and it's Nate's fucking paddleboarding, and it's glorious. Yeah. Anyway, I get ahead of myself. He does do some good chemistry player. He catches her. Then he does some prone play when she falls. So he's taking advantage of the IFIs that come with this type of date. And he tells Michelle about his familial sabbatical. Noah actually pushed his day out to go into the military to meet you. It's a huge step because I've never brought someone home I care about so much. But he he ITMs. His number one fear is losing someone he cares about. Did you notice when they were sitting down having this conversation, he had some a box with him that looked like it could have been a donut box or something? Oh, the box. Yeah. Never get to see that. What's in the box? Just again. Do you think it was more military stuff? No, I think it was like a food thing they were going to take to his parents that night. But we just Mm. never, ever got to see it. It's like the hayride. Exactly. The box is the hayride. There are all these phantom things. The producers just leave in the fucking cut. For no reason. It drives me insane. Portion two begins. It is night. This is the meeting of the family. This is the second part of Brandon's hometown. We get a little preamble from the parents and the family here, which is going to be something structurally that they use for each of the families. Before we actually see the meeting of the family, we see the parents or the family sitting around by themselves and talking about what they're going to expect. Brandon's mom says she wants to meet this person that her son is dating. And Brandon's brother's excited to meet her as well. And then we see Brandon and Michelle walk up to the house and we get another little moment outside where he tells her once again who she's going to be meeting. And we're going to get that structural moment with every one of these uh, hometowns as well. I like that moment. Get all the names. I do too. I, that It's very good in terms of putting together like, okay, here's who you're about to see. Let's walk in and see it. Mm-hmm. It's very functional. And so Brandon and Michelle come in, they hug the family and then Michelle and Brandon recap what their night one was like. And Brandon says she's made him smile every day of this process. And then we get into the good stuff. This is where the family starts peeling off our lead and our player and having these one-on-one conversations with them. This is where we're going to start getting our glows. This is we're going to start, I mean, traditionally where we would start getting our blessings. It's where we're going to see some of those attacks. It's where we're going to see some tears. It's where we're going to see all kinds of shit. His brother, Noah, pulls Michelle. He's getting the 
the time. <laughs> he's he's going to soak up all of this time that he's using for his freedom. And he loads walls and a hint of a PTC in his ITM that maybe his brother has been hurt before. And then he says, I can tell he has a big heart for you, Brother Glow. And he tells Michelle he can be a cheesy pickup line guy. He hasn't had the best past relationships. What separates him from other people? And that's kind of hinting at the attack of numbers or dating other people. And he also loads that in his ITM prior to this. Right before he actually has this conversation with her in his ITM, mm. he says the fact that she's dating three other guys is definitely something that worries me. That is the third attack, dating other people. Michelle responds that she's never had to question how he felt about her. It's a little spark that's just different. He asks, can you see yourself with my brother the rest of your life? She says, 100% be honest and say yes, which makes me think if she doesn't say I'm 100% being honest, that she's like, <laughs> Yeah, of course. Anytime you're like, and I'm being totally honest here, it's like nobody questioned that. I mean, I assumed you'd be honest and whatever the answer was, you don't need to qualify that. But he basically is asking her to future cast here and she obliges. Yes, I can see myself with him forever. Then we see some one-on-one time with Brandon and his mom. And Brandon tells his mom that Michelle is one of the strongest women he's ever met. And he realizes now what he's been missing in other relationships. We then see one-on-one time with Michelle and Brandon's dad. And she says, you have to be able to fish in her family. And Michelle and uh, Brandon's dad just fucking lights up. The look on his face is like, oh, 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 you said the magic fucking word. Fishing is what I do. And he basically says that he used to fish all the time with his dad. And he's going to fit right in with this fucking family. They're just going to be fishing all the fucking time. I thought this was a great family play by Michelle, by the way. She she then like gives him a little jab about playing basketball against him and is like, are you going to be upset if I swat your shot? A little competitive joking around. Excellently done. She also says she truly loves who that person is, can truly see him being her best friend. And it seems like Michelle has won them over. Her His mom, ITM, she's so much like him. She sees him and his wonderful qualities. Brandon tells his family, this is the most amazing, important woman in my life, which I'm like, did he say that in front of his mom? It looked like it was off face, so I'm not sure. There was so much Frankenbiting going on in this episode, I couldn't even keep track of it. There yeah. was so much shit off face. <laughs> I, I I wrote down a couple of them that hopefully we'll get to here, but uh, yeah, who the fuck knows what any of these people actually said. Michelle ITM, she got overwhelming support. It feels like she's already part of the family. Noah gave what I considered a glow here. He says it looks like she's earned the family's trust. This is a version of a glow. I think this is a version of a blessing. What have you? I'll I'll accept that as well. It's one of the family members recognizing visually that it looks like this has gone well, that there is some emotional barrier crossed. Whether you want to call that a blessing or a glow in this case, irrelevant to me. I think it kind of fits both. For the stats, I've already given him a brother glow when he said, I can tell he has a big heart for you. So Okay, great. Our records are perfect. Always. (laughs) Don't worry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They leave. They sit in the bench in the auto zone. This is the area right before you're going to get in the car. Michelle says, I do already have really strong feelings for you. Love level one. She says, after today, it's very clear I am falling for you. Ups it to love level three. Gets that kiss. We don't see Brandon up his love level, but he ITMs he wants to marry her and wants it more than anything in this entire world, loading that precog. Seems like the date's gone well. He has already love level threed her. 
prior to this. Mm -hmm. So he's at love level three. And this is also in hometowns and fantasy suites in the playoffs. We really now are keyed into who is where in the love level race. That becomes very, very important because it's it's an mm -hmm. easy thing that a lead can use to dismiss you if you're not at least neck and neck with the other players. You have to have been yeah. playing your love levels. You have to have gotten to a certain one. Love level three is basically the line. You have to at least be there by the end of hometowns. And what we saw tonight, I mean, fuck, spoiler alert, they all did it. Everybody played a fucking love level three. This was astounding mm -hmm. to me. It was it was such textbook perfect play from all of them, at least in terms of their love level usage. I just fucking loved it. I love level four it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't always see that. Portion number three begins. We have the second hometown. It's Rodney. And Michelle walks down a dirt path. And as you may expect, there was a hoo <laughs> While Michelle is ITMing about Rodney being her surprise <laughs> apple, she commits the second hooju of the season. This hooju lacks the energy of the Brandon hooju, which is, in my opinion, a bad sign for Rodney. There is a slow approach. It is a lackluster mount that leads into a cling devoid of ankle lock, and the dismount has a momentary break in physical contact. Both of those things are very bad signs. I mean, again, I don't want to belabor the point, but I feel I have to. The subsport is important because it conveys enthusiasm. If you jump on someone and you wrap your legs around them as hard as you can and you lock those fucking ankles and you squeeze all the air out from in between you so that you become one mm -hmm. person, that conveys that you're really into that person. Here she does neither of these things. She doesn't fully compress her body to his. She doesn't get a double ankle lock. And mm. it's just, I gave it overall a 7.46. Good, athletic, don't get me wrong. She knows how to perform these things. But the the little piece of it that's like, how do you feel about this guy? She revealed it. Not as strongly as she felt about Brandon. A platonic hooju. Not quite platonic. We've seen that. Madison Pruitt, thank you very much. But uh, <laughs> this is better than that, <laughs> for sure. There's not a lot that can compete <laughs> with the fucking dead leg virgin hooju in terms of being platonic. She's an icon in her in her own right. Yeah. I'll never forget it. But it's also important to note that the um the producers make her do all of these. The producers literally set these two people up. They say, "You stand over here, you start over here." They tell her she's going to do a huju. They say action and then she runs and does the huju. So, it's in these subtleties, in how she clings, how she ankle locks. That's where you really start to see how she feels about these guys. Because she's going to have to hooju them all, or you know, at least in this case, three of the the four players. Anyway, just my two cents. Seven point <laughs> four six, not as good as the Brandon hooju, and we have one hooju left to get to. But he, she does get a kiss here, and uh, he tells her that he has a bunch of surprises in store for her, including something having to do with a special apple that only grows in Minnesota called the first kiss apple. And it's like Jesus fucking Christ, how many apple things are they going to have this guy do? Too many. <laughs> way too fucking many. He doesn't even know what apples are. It's not like he's like an apple grower and like apples are his life and his business. He dressed up as an apple, didn't know what type it was, and now all he gets is apple shit. All blindfolds and food testing. That too. They made him redo that. If Rodney's listening, I've got a good pair of social play for you, Rodney. Mm. You get a tattoo of an apple somewhere on your body, bicep, shoulder, wherever. And you make a little mm -hmm. Instagram story of it. Then the following week, 
you get a tattoo of an apple somewhere else and you keep getting tattoos of apples for the rest <laughs> of your life until your entire body is covered in apples and you make massive amounts of social media off of it and you just become the apple guy because that's what you already are. You should <laughs> lean into it. Well, he had one other piece of his brand, but that has now been stolen from him. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think so. He's the underdog. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And now he's out of the race, so he's not even the underdog. He's just the loser. Well, they call him underdog the whole season, and now the branding for Clayton's season is that he's the underdog. Are you fucking serious? Did you see his poster? Who, Clayton's? No. I'm going to show it to you right now. He posted this on his Instagram. I'm looking at it now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. Sorry, I have to stop the podcast and go make a meme. I'll be right back. Just kidding. I'll do it later. But I'm I'm looking at this fucking picture of Clayton holding these fucking dogs, the look on his face. I can't tell you what's happening right now in my mind. It's a whirlwind. It's a fucking firestorm. I can't believe that is real. Oh, fuck. I've got to get to see you see this. Okay. We got to get back to this so I can make this fucking meme. Here we go. Holy shit. The image that I'm describing is an image that Clayton posted to his Instagram. It's him. He's covered in a bunch of little puppies. And the tagline is, everyone loves an underdog. But Rodney is the one that they have called the underdog 20,000 times this season. This makes... I mean, this is a sidebar. We're we're obviously taking a little break from our game recap to talk about this fucking post, but we have to talk about it. I'm sorry. This should be on Twibbon, but... I'm sure it will be, but it's going to be here for a moment as well. (laughs) (laughs) What what is this? What does this mean? He's not an underdog, nor does he have anything to do with dogs, and yet here he's surrounded by all these little dogs. Does he work at a dog place? No. It says, hi, it's me, Clayton. Hashtag The Bachelor. And this is how they announce it. I Oh, God. One of the dogs has a little rose in its mouth, but he looks sad. Yeah, I would be too if I was in that picture. Like, are the dogs like a stand-in for the little children? Like, he's so good with little kids, so... No idea. And his story this season, usually when they have promos like this for the next lead, it has something to do with their identity on the season or their catchphrase or whatever. This doesn't at all. I guess it's underdog because he was eighth place. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sure. Anybody who's not the runner up, I guess, is the underdog. Jesus Christ. So I guess (laughs) Katie Thurston could have been underdog. Right. 11th place. Anyway, Rodney's other part of his brand has been stolen. So the only option is to cover yourself head to toe in Apple tattoos. I agree with Clues' thesis. (laughs) Thank you. They pretend apples are mistletoe and kiss. He blindfolds her again and they do a taste test with some sauces. They're dipping apples in sauce. He loads level level three. I am definitely falling in love with Michelle. And he tells Michelle, you're going to meet mom and stepdad pops. And he loves how she always makes it feel like it's just him and her. Then they bicycle and hold hands. He also pops in a little precog in the ITM where he loads the love level three. And he says that he can see himself getting on one knee and making her his future wife. Mm. And yeah, then they have that little picnic and he talks about who they're going to meet and we get a little kiss and then they ride these bikes off holding hands (laughs) into the fucking sunset or whatever. Not romantic. No. Trying to hold hands while bicycling. Uh, Yeah. And then we get portion four. 
night has fallen. This is the meeting of the family. And we get the same moment with the family where they're talking before uh, the lead and the players show up. And Rodney's mom doesn't want him to be hurt. That is playing one of the attacks. But this is really exciting. Dad agrees it could be amazing. They just have to meet her. And then we get the moment outside the house. Rodney tells her who she's going to be meeting. Mom and stepdad, they enter, hugs all around. Rodney runs down some of his plays and dates in the beginning of the game. This is always kind of the generic conversation that the players in the lead will have when they come in and meet the family as a whole before they start peeling off into their one-on-one times. Which, interestingly enough, wasn't the case in the earliest hometown. Season one, you only see The Bachelor talking with all the family. And then they realize you can really get to the juice if you pair them off, have all the separate one-on-ones. Mom is worried he could get heartbroken. And he asks if this is someone that she could create a life with outside of this. And Michelle tells her this sort of generic thing that she's looking for real small moments. Like if her flight is canceled from vacation, they're going to be five hours. When I think of that person, I think of Rodney (laughs) and just hurling apples at him in the airport. I I was just like, I mean, I I get what she's trying to do in this speech, but it couldn't be Mm -hmm. more clear from her just manufacturing this theoretical situation of having a flight canceled and need somebody to make her laugh. It's like, oh, it's not Rodney. He's not the one. When when the mom asks you, what do you like about my son? If it's not, he makes me finally feel whole. I'm in love with him more than anything. He's the best person I've ever met. If it's not some huge thing that is like, this is absolutely my mm-hmm. guy. She's just making up some weird story about like, well, if we get stuck at an airport, I bet he could entertain me. Oh, that's not the guy. You know immediately from this answer. He's done. Yeah, so could a clown. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so could an iPad. Rodney's mom then ITMs that she still has anxiety about Michelle dating the other guys, one of the attacks there. And then there is some one-on-one time between Rodney and his mom. And uh, his mom issues a broken heart attack to Rodney. Doesn't want to see him in that state. Rodney says he thinks Michelle's worth the risk. And Rodney tells his mom that he is falling in love with her. He loads this love level three here, producing mom tears. And Rodney says, no joke, she is the lady. She's amazing. And then after all of this, we see the bench outside of the familial home. And Michelle and Rodney are talking. Michelle says she can see Rodney's mom's strength in him. And Rodney, love level three's Michelle on this bench, producing a kiss. This is now the second player to achieve level level three. Michelle ITMs that it felt good to hear Rodney say that, and it helped her realize how much she feels for him. This is a lie. Then we see some final moment of Michelle and Rodney making each other laugh with apple puns. It's just like they won't let it fucking die. And then he gets a kiss in the auto zone and Michelle leaves ITMing that every minute really does count when you're falling in love. She's just not talking about Rodney here. This is like what would have happened if Alexis Waters had made it to hometowns. It's just like shark and dolphin puns the whole time. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist. And you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in Onyx. That's kind of a 
dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. And then in between portions <laughs> four and five, we got a commercial. Did you see this commercial? I saw this commercial. It was for a program called Good Morning America. And it's going to have an interview 
with the next Bachelor. By the time this episode of our show is out, that will have already aired. We will already have mm-hmm. all seen it. Sorry, it's too late to have seen it. Or go back and... <laughs> I hope you recorded it already. Go back in time. <laughs> yeah. Build the time machine. Um, but I was astounded by this. So we're getting these little things. Obviously, we were talking about Clayton just posted this thing. There, We saw him recently in a an ABC holiday event thing that was on uh, TV this weekend. He popped up in it to like intro something and it said on the bottom, Clayton Eckerd, The Bachelor. God, this rollout. Is this a worse rollout than Matt James? <laughs> no, nothing could be worse. Nothing could be worse than Matt James. Matt James, at least they they selected him and announced it like immediately. At least the announcement was very fast. This still, there's no official announcement. That doesn't come, I think, until this Good Morning America thing. I like that they do like the shadow on the ground of his like silhouette like they did with Claire when we woke up really early to live stream that. (laughs) Oh, God, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. We actually were surprised. Yeah, I was. I didn't think it was going to be here. God, those were the good old days when they could surprise us, huh? Yeah, it was very wholesome. That was when I feel like we were really when we hit the bottom of the pit. Maybe even that morning was the first time we hit the bottom. We've been digging it deeper since then, but that's when we hit the bottom, when we were like, we have to get up at 6 a.m. to watch who the next Bachelorette's going to be. Yeah, when I woke up before 11 a.m. Right, that was rock bottom for you. Okay, back to the game. Anyway, after the commercial between portions four and five, we get to portion five, and we start the hometown of Joe Coleman, and he is waiting outside of a school It is Hopkins High School. Coincidentally, this is where my boyfriend went to high school, which is very strange. It's unreal. It's absolutely unreal to me that that coincidence is true. And yet, I'm also of the mind that once you and I have become what Uh we've become, which I would say we're not totally human anymore, there is a piece of each of us Mm -hmm. that is just our beloved game. It is just dark pit energy. And when we have that, I believe we begin to attract certain things. I believe we begin Mm -hmm. to manifest certain things in our lives. So when you say your boyfriend went to Joe Coleman's high school, it may seem crazy, but I say, no, it has to be that way. There is no other way this could have gone. It does feel like I manifested it. He was not Mr. Basketball, but he did play basketball. I don't know. It's very bizarre. And I'm going to Minneapolis in a couple weeks. And I am going to force him to recreate this hometown date. (laughs) If he doesn't surprise me with a goddamn fake prom and a love level three, I'm going to lose my shit. You should also make him do the forklift in that same spot where Joe Coleman did it to Michelle. Yes. At the very least. Oh, my God. The least God. he can do is forklift you. Absolutely. So let's get to the forklift. That's true love. <laughs> the forklift is in some <laughs> some cultures. Forklift me at your high school, please. <laughs> so Michelle is ITMing that she's she knows Joe's from Minnesota, and she tees up that he's not good at sharing his feelings, but she does feel that he's taking steps forward. Joe is waiting outside his high school for her. She does a slow walk toward him. She's wearing heels and leather pants. No hooju here. Now, I believe this was just the result of bad hooju garb. This was not a hooju uniform. It is not conducive to the hooju. And therefore, she was not mm. able to perform a hooju. I don't think this actually has anything to do with how much she likes him or not. I disagree. 
Joe Coleman's failure to extract a hoodoo from Michelle Young was my error, 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 error of the game. I wanted to see Mr. and Miss Basketball Hooju. Is that too much to ask? He's theoretically the strongest at the best hand-eye coordination. Don't get me wrong. This was also my... Error, 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 error of the game. <laughs> I'm just saying... <laughs> It, I think the reason she didn't do it was because of what she wore. But if you're a good enough player, if you truly are a Quicon master, which I believed he was up until this point, uh-huh. you exude anchor. You say, I am someone mm-hmm. that must be hoojued. And even if she's wearing something not conducive to a hooju, she would have done it anyways. Or maybe he can have a conversation with her prior to this or tell a producer, hey, I want her to hooju me. Make sure she's wearing something that's hooju conducive. They were pants. Yeah, but she was also wearing high heels and the pants were kind of like nice. They were fancy pants. They I, they had like fancy things on them, you know. Yeah. Katie Thurston hoojooed in a dress at her final rose ceremony. Michelle, you're telling me you can't hoojoo in fancy pants? Don't. I mean, we're going down a path that I may not be able to come back from if you start talking about I Katie know. Thurston hoojoo. I'm sorry. Let's just we're, let's move on. 45 minutes in, we're <laughs> not even halfway through. This is, I feel like responsible. <laughs> So they're they're walking around this high school. He walks her through the halls, <laughs> makes some jokes about not being good at academics, and then he takes her to his, in quotes, spot, and he forklifts her up onto this little ledge. The forklift was a move invented by and popularized by Popeye Peter Weber. He did it to multiple players on uh, both. Mm-hmm. He did it to Hannah Brown, and then he did it to multiple players on season 24. He concussed someone on a pool table using the forklift. I don't know if they were concussed, but maybe a slight bruise. Then Joe takes her into the gym that is decorated for this mini prom. And he says uh, from her poem, he knows that she got picked last to prom and he never went to his prom. So he's done this for both of them. And there are sashes that say prom king and queen. We, I believe, and there are crowns as well to go with this. I believe these are literally the same sashes that were used in paradise a month prior to shooting this. I think we are seeing the exact same props used again less than two months later in the airing of these episodes. Absolutely. They're obsessed with prom. I agree. I think the producers secretly work for big prom. They're on the take. I think they're, it's just this one producer who's like, maybe they never got to go to prom or something. And so every time it's like, well, what ideas do we have for dates? Yes. They're like, this will be really emotionally resonant with everyone in the nation. What if we do a prom? What if it's like a prom that they never got to go to? Maybe this one could be 80s themed. Maybe this one could be whatever. They're just like as many proms as they can get in. I also like that he's like, Michelle Young, will you go to prom with me? They're already in the prom. Prom, I guess, is a state of mind. Yeah. They do a wardrobe change for their prom. They have a photo booth. They do some dancing, some kissing. He gives her a piggyback ride around the prom. They eat cotton candy and donuts. We see some more kissing. And then we see them in these prom king and queen sashes and crowns. I couldn't believe it. Like, show me a picture side by side of GSJ and Serena Pitt winning their prom king and queen. Show me. I'm t- I'm going to look. I'm going to look these things up. Believe you me. You're going to make the meme? Very possibly. Oh, you have a lot of work to do after this. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> 
But then they sit at this table and Joe says, you'll be meeting my mom, dad, and brother, and brother's wife, and Michelle ITMs that he has not raised to level level three yet and hopes that meeting the family will allow him to finally hit that love level. So she's even telling us, this is what needs to happen narratively. He's got to get to that point that these other two players are. If he Mm -hmm. doesn't, that could be detrimental. He sets up that tonight at the MOTF, she's going to meet his mom, Julie, dad, David, brother, Dan, and wife, Hannah. And he really talks up Hannah like she's going to be the one who really has the connection with Michelle. And she writes in what I guess is a yearbook or it's a photo memory book of prom. Thank you for being a slice of home wherever we are. Love, Michelle. Portion number six begins. It is the MOTF. We get a little brief check in with the family. The infamous Hannah says we don't know her at all. And his mom. I love his mom, by the way. She's very cute. He says that she, Joe would have self-eliminated if he wasn't into Michelle, so he must be into her. They enter and cringle flowers to the family, and his mom asks them, what has surprised you to learn about yourselves? And Michelle says, Joe is not the loudest person in the room, but he has a quiet confidence I appreciated. I was very surprised that she just didn't outright say when the mom was like, so what, what are your favorite things about Joe? I wanted her to just go, quiet calm. And leave it at that. <laughs> she didn't do that, though. She pronounced the whole thing, his quiet confidence. Yeah, that was surprising. She she didn't do that. <laughs> quiet con, mom. Heard of it? <laughs> She's a high-level player. She was runner-up in season 25. She's now the lead. It's okay for you to call it quiet con. Should have done it. <laughs> they talk about showing emotion. Joe says, I'm getting better. Joe's dad pulls him and... Hannah talks with Michelle, says the Coleman men are quieter when they're nervous. (laughs) (laughs) The dad tells Joe, you guys look like a lovely couple. You still got to express yourself to her. That's a glow. That's a dad glow, by the way. And Joe's like, do you have any other questions? And he's like, no. (laughs) Dad was like, I'm going to give you my glow and then I'm shutting the fuck up. That's all you need from me. You got it. Now leave me the fuck alone. And he... Has a little bit of quiet con of his own there. Very quiet. Yeah, he has more quiet than con, but it comes off as quiet con, in my opinion. We see where Joe gets it from. Totally. And then Michelle has some one-on-one time with Joe's mom, and Michelle describes a pivotal moment when you realize how much you're learning about yourself. And Joe's moment was on the one-on-one when he shed some tears about his injuries, and he showed a different side of himself. And Joe's mom says that was a huge loss for him, and he didn't even show her that much emotion when he was going through that. Mm, love that. So that is in some way an acknowledgement that he must really be into you. And Michelle asks if Joe's mom sees a difference and the mom glows her or glows Joe. Sorry. She says, I see how excited he is being next to you. It's cool to see your connection there. I love like a really straightforward glow like that. Oh, Absolutely. Hannah asks Joe if he loves Michelle, and Joe will not love level four. He says, I'm deaf falling for her, loading love level three. And Hannah says, are you ready to propose? And Joe says, yeah, loading a precog. I did not expect this from Joe. Nor did I. I, I, This was very surprising to me, but a very good play here. Hannah ITMs that she's worried and feels protective. And she tells the family, I hope this works out because we're going to see her in the grocery store. (laughs) So that was a cute moment. (laughs) That was very funny, I thought, yeah. Michelle calls him her little slice of home away from home. Hannah says Joe needs a strong partner, a teammate to challenge him a little bit. 
And that wraps up the MOTF. They go outside, sit on the bench in the auto zone. Joe says, I want you to always know how I feel. My feelings for you are growing stronger and stronger. I am falling in love with you and feel like you're that special person for me. I thought this was going to be my play of the game, but there was another play. I thought it was going to be two because him overcoming this thing, they set it up narratively like she's looking for the love level three. He delivers exactly what she's looking for. I thought this was going to be it, but Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Portion seven begins and we witness a whole new game being played by someone who is so much higher in terms of skill, in terms of understanding of the game, in terms of terminance than any other player that they might as well not even be here, in my opinion. Portion 7 begins in the day. This is Hometown 4. This is Nate. Now, this is a hoo The approach is enthusiastic. We even see Nate stretching his fucking arm in preparation. As she's jogging to him, they show a quick shot of him getting his arm ready as though he's about to be a pitcher in a fucking Major League Baseball game or something. This motherfucker knows exactly what is up. This is an athletic endeavor. He is ready to anchor it, and he fucking gets ready. She quick jogs up to him, but she knows he's tall, very tall, the tallest anchor I think we've seen in the game at 6'7". So she's going to have to get a good head of steam as she makes her way to him, and she does it. She hits this fucking mount flawlessly. Both legs clear the hips. Both arms wrap around the back of the neck. Again, he's 6'7". And the most impressive part of the suju is the cling. Double ankle lock, double arm lock. And there is not a fucking millimeter of space between them as she squeezes herself as close as she can to him for a barrage of kisses. We don't get the footwork footage in the dismount, but she never breaks physical contact and she moves into a double handhold followed by some more kisses. This is a 9.23, her best hooju of the round, her best hooju in the history of the fucking game. I mean, she only did one other one to Matt and James on her hometown, but nonetheless, (laughs) it blew that one out of the fucking water too. This shit was beautiful. And you know from the way she's doing it, he's the guy. He's the ring winner. Mm -hmm. You can fucking see it in the hooju. I just want to make that very clear mm-hmm. to everybody who minimizes the hooju or who thinks it's like a funny joke or whatever. And maybe, yeah, I, I mm-hmm. juice it up a little bit. I try to make it entertaining, but this shit's fucking real. You can see it on the TV who she's going to fucking pick by the fucking hooju, especially when they're comparative like this in the same game. And this was the best one. I mean, I loved it. I love that he respects the subsport. I was prepared to be disappointed, you know, after we didn't get a Joe one, but. Thank you, Nate. You always deliver. Like I said, I went back and watched that Matt James one and she did have the hitch step in it that she had with Brandon on uh, that first Suju. And she also had the thing where she kind of had to pull herself up onto Matt James. I was very worried Mm -hmm. that that was going to be the case here because Nate is even taller than Matt James. Tall anchor. But she didn't have to. This was like, it was a very impressive Suju. I I like this one quite a bit. (laughs) You look so happy. (laughs) It was great. It was fucking fantastic. After this gorgeous display, Nate tells Michelle that Austin is home for him. He loves walking in the park and they're going to do something he does four times a week, paddle boarding. Immediately pops that shirt off. He's brought back the orange swim trunks that Michelle loves and they do paddle boarding and he's amazing at paddle boarding. Of course, he's able to do it so well that he can engage in in chemistry play at the same time. So he's paddleboarding, he's poking her with his stick. You know, he's able to 
paddle them both on the same board. This is what you want in a show off date where you can let your skills take over. It was just like gorgeous and romantic and like, I just thought he he blew it out of the water. Absolutely. This is what you're supposed to be doing, Brandon. If you take someone on a hometown date to do an activity that you're supposedly good at, you have to be good at it. And here Nate is an expert at paddleboarding. The only creature in the document who might be better on the lake than Nate <laughs> was a duck. We cut to a shot of a duck who is strutting his stuff. It's a brief shot for sure, but it's an important shot. This duck is upright. The duck is looking at the sky. The duck is breathing air. And then the duck disappears from view because the duck dives deep into the dark waters of this lake. Just as we dive into the dark waters of the pit, this duck is telling us through this shot that it is a member of the pit. And because of that, this duck was my... <laughs> creature of the week. I've never seen a direct message given to me by any creature. Not like this, other than maybe the horse that was running away shitting. I feel like all of the creatures give you messages. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but this one I thought was, this duck definitely has listened to our show and definitely is a member of the pit and was saying, watch me dive into the pit. Thank you, duck. You will forever be remembered. And if you're listening, fantastic, fantastic diving. Then Nate ITM some future casting saying it's, it's easy for him to picture Michelle in Austin and they have a little picnic and Nate tells her, that she's going to be meeting his mom and stepdad. They're divorced, but they're both coming to support him and meet her. And Nate says that his family doesn't talk about emotions, doesn't say, I love you. So it's going to be the first time he's done anything like this, and he has no idea what to expect. He says his family has never seen him head over heels for anyone before. And this moment is fucking, oh God, this is charminance at its fucking finest, at the height of it. This is subtle yet powerful. He says he has... Never, he says his family has never seen him head over heels for anyone. He puts that out there. He knows mm -hmm. she's not going to say nothing to that. So she probes. Oh, you're head over heels for me, huh? She's trying to extract a love level four here. Saying, what does that mean? But Nate's terminance is too fucking strong. He's like, I'm not love level fouring you in the hometowns, definitely not in the day portion. Are you fucking insane? So he just plays it off with a few flashes of a smile and finally just goes, yeah, I'm crazy about you. Again, that's kind of love level 4 -y, but it's not love level 4 -y. It's not I love you. It's mm -hmm. not I'm in love with you. No sacred word. Oh, God. Perfectly played. It's perfectly played. This little dance he does with her in this moment is just, it's a fucking thing of beauty. And in a season that for me has just been mired in like bad producing and some very boring villains and shit like this to see these moments of brilliance like this flash through it just fucking it reinvigorates my love for our beloved game and it makes me very <laughs> excited for whatever the fuck this clayton eckard season is going to be with him and these dogs or whatever the fuck because i'm like there is still yeah. brilliance in some of these players and i know for bachelor 26 it, the play is going to be off the fucking charts they'll be all needs It'll be amazing. Yeah. He follows I'm crazy about you with I'm falling for you. Love level three. <laughs> Michelle says I'm falling for you too. Reciprocated love level three. They make out. 
while they're kissing after this love level three, uh-huh. you might have noticed someone floating by in the background. It's a man in a kayak who clearly is looking at them as they're kissing. But this man's face is blurred out. He has not signed the proper forms to be included in the document. And this <laughs> kayaking man whose face we can never see was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. This is a huge moment in the narrative of Nate and Michelle, and this bystander is actually almost center stage as they're kissing. He's almost right in the middle of the fucking frame, paddling by this kayak, definitely looking right at them, but face blurred. And... I just love this. We didn't have a lot of choices for bystanders this week. I kind of had to rely on this. But nonetheless, to take center frame right there as they're kissing, perfect, beautiful. This faceless man that I didn't notice in my first viewing, (laughs) kayaking by them, was also by... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. week, 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 week. Didn't see bystanders, but I'll piggyback. Okay. I'm fair. not above that. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Push number eight begins. It is the MOTF for Nate's hometown. We're meeting his mom, Liana, and his stepdad, Charles. Nate and Michelle kiss at the threshold. And then we meet the fam, and I go, oh, no, Nate's stepdad, Charles, is the one who we have been seeing in this clip. He's the bringer home to us. He's the one who says he's not ready. We get a beautiful little subtle play by Nate's mother, and we know this apple does not fall far from the good play tree as she cringles candy, a gift for Michelle Young's students. Ugh. So for TRR. Not only candy, it's Canadian candy, which she claims is worth as much as gold to school children. <laughs> it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> is that a true thing? Uh, there's some very good Canadian candy. You ever have a Wonder Bar? Some good shit. No. She's the only parent to do a Kringle. The Kringle has some hint of their actual hometown. She brought something from the hometown there, or at least the home country, mm-hmm. the North, the Canadian North, as we know. And it also speaks to her being a teacher. This Kringle has so many layers. It's so beautifully played. And to start off the hometown date on that note, oh, fuck, it's so good. And this is, you know, what we talk about with hometowns. It's not just you. It's not just the player. Your family is now part of your team. You have more players on your team and they can help you as well. And right here from the fucking get-go, Nate's mom is fucking killing it. It's the whole goddamn family. It's unreal. This whole hometown date, this especially the meeting of the family portion here, is just fucking unbelievable. It's so fucking yeah. good. They discuss limo exits, and Michelle says he was first out of limo. She notes that he was the alpha, a point of prominence, and she notes another point of prominence, that he got the first impression rose. We often see the leads tell the family, oh, this person got the first impression rose. It's a way of saying... Your son is in some way better than all the rest. The mom and Michelle go on their one-on-one. Michelle says, we connect on so many different levels. We talk about intellectual things. Then we jump back to playful. 
not mentioning how Nate would be during a layover at all at the airport. You get it? Yeah, I understand. Like Rob Nate. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. Okay, tough crowd. The mom says the end goal is to leave with an engagement. And she says, I don't want him to feel pressure. He's never been in a relationship where it's like, I want to make this a forever deal. And the mom loads walls. I'm I'm worried he's gotten swept up. Nate and his mom have a one-on-one. Nate says, I genuinely see Michelle and I being something really special at the end of this. His mom asks, are you prepared to propose? Nate says, I'm heading in that direction. This is how I wrote what you just said. This, these are the notes that I took. Uh-huh. Nate, future casts. Mom demands a precog. Nate says he's not there 100%, but heading in that direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's future casting about being special outside of this. <laughs> he's hinting at a precog. He's playing this PVC oh of never being in love before. And his mom points out you're in a bubble in many ways. Uh, will you and Michelle carry these feelings outside? This is giving Nate pause. Then we see Michelle and the stepdad, Charles. His dad says he's very surprised, but he seems genuinely excited. He has a smile I've never seen before. This is a stepdad glow, but it's like elevated. A smile he's never seen before. Right. Not only I can tell he's in love, but he's literally never been happier. And Charles says he kept that part of himself to himself. I don't know if he's ever been in love before. He doesn't know the difference between being in love and being in being married. One is a feeling. One is a commitment. And Michelle says, could he get to that point of being ready? And his dad, wishy-washy with uh, given this precog prediction. I don't know if he's going to get to that point. And I got to say, this is the end of portion eight. As much as we rag on the producers and stuff and say that they're bad and they are at their jobs, but here they've done something good in this night portion of the hometown. They really, mm-hmm. they end it correctly. They build you to this moment where it's like all this shit, we're getting glows, we got the Kringle, everything seems to be going good. And then the dad says this one thing, he's turning it all on its ear. I don't know if he's ready for that. That's where we end. So now we've built this dramatic tension that Mm -hmm. it's like their relationship might be good, but is he really ready for marriage? And now portion nine is going to pay off that dramatic tension and it's going to give us the answer to that question that is implied by his dad saying that. So here, the producers have actually edited this correctly. Great cliffhanger. Well, I mean, it's it's not like a huge cliffhanger, obviously. We assume that he's going to win. But in terms of the dramatic function of what they're trying to build in these scenes, this is correct. This is how you edit this. They've done something right here. And the result is they've potentially even elevated what is an astoundingly played hometown into its best final version by doing this good edit. So portion nine starts with the exact same one-on-one time with Michelle and Nate's dad. We're picking up where we left off. He's, he's talking about he doesn't want either of them to get hurt. This is the heartbreak attack. And then we see some one-on-one time with Nate and his stepdad. And this shit is, <laughs> I mean, this is history book shit. This is one of the greatest mm-hmm. moments of any hometown that has ever, ever been produced it was just astounding. Nate's dad says, if everything is so new to you, all these feelings, how do you know any of it's real? He's immediately attacking Nate's feelings as being invalid. And Nate says, it's hard because you and me don't talk about shit like this. And dad says, that's right. And Nate says, I'm the person I am because of you. And Nate starts tearing up a little bit. And then stepdad 
pulls the best parental play maybe of the entire game. Although Nate's mom's Kringle is, is a good one too. But he basically lays out this very complimentary, very emotional conversation talking about what a privilege and pleasure it was to have Nate as part of his family and to watch him grow up into the man he's become from the 13-year-old boy he was when he first met him. And he says, I know I don't say a lot, but never doubt that I love you and that I'm here for you. And this produces tears from Nate. And Nate says he wants a family one day. He wants to be there for them. He wants to be what his stepdad was for him to that family. And his stepdad says, you'll be even better than me. And Nate says, I don't know if I've ever told you that I loved you before. This was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Nate love level fouring his stepfather for the first time ever at his MOTF was also my play, 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 play of the game. This was just unfucking believable. It's not Nate love level fouring or love level threeing or anyone level. It's not anyone doing anything to Michelle. This is fucking unreal. Mm-hmm. This is a relationship between a father and a son. It gets tears all around. It overcomes the very thing that Michelle was afraid of. I cried. Fourth audience tears. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I did not. But the very thing Michelle was talking about being afraid of, that he may not be ready for this and may have these emotional troubles with his family, it's all overcome here. Everything they've laid out, it's all overcome. And it truly feels like this is a real moment between these two guys where they're finally kind of opening up a little bit and saying they love each other. It's fucking unreal. And then we see, obviously, Michelle is going to find out about this later as they're talking the AutoZone and stuff. And so it has this kind of double function of not only making Nate become closer with his stepdad, but also showing Michelle that he's capable of this type of thing and that his family being shut down emotionally isn't really going to have an impact on him. And that maybe even him being with Michelle has taught him how to open his fucking family up. Yes. Maybe her influence on Nate has even helped his family. Unfucking real how good this play was. And another level, it is subtly praising the process. Because it is basically saying not only Michelle, but this show and this process has allowed this family to come together and like be better at talking about emotions and telling each other they love each other for the first time ever. Absolutely. It produced tears from me. I had, you know, goosebumps watching this. It was it was great. You can't I mean. You can't write this shit. No, it's fantastic. And then Nate ITMs that he's scared to say the word love. He needs conversations with himself before he goes there. And the parents then talk amongst themselves and they say that Nate, they think, is getting there on the bench. We see Nate and Michelle and he tells her, me and Charles said we loved each other for the first time. She, the smile on her face at this point lets you know everything you need to know. He's won the ring. He then attributes all of this to (laughs) Michelle Young being there. Incredible play, gets the AutoZone kiss, and Michelle is then forced by producers to ITM that she thinks Nate might not be ready for an engagement. What? This is pro wrestling now. They're forcing her to say these things so that, oh, I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. No, we know. Well, we think we know. Portion 10 is a nothing portion. We get a knock-knock. Jesus Christ. 
while Michelle ITM, she's questioning if Nate's ready for an engagement. We get a knock knock. So you're, I guess, meant to believe Nate might be self-eliminating. But it's Serena P, fiance of GSJ, the Sauce King, and Bree Springs, the other finalist on season 25. And Serena P points out, like, before this, you didn't think you could be get ready for an engagement. And Michelle says, I'm eating my words. I'm falling for multiple people. And that's basically it. Michelle also talks about her biggest fear being someone possibly not being as ready as she is, which is like, what? She's talking about she doesn't want to get heartbroken. And that's what she's struggling with. That's the premise of the show. None of all of this fake, completely fake. I don't know why they even cut this in. I guess they just have to fill time. This entire portion, a waste, in my opinion. Portion 11 begins. The guys are getting ready for the rose ceremony. Brandon says, my family wants me to bring her home to them. I feel like he was trying to do a little bring her home to us. Yeah, I thought that was a nod as well to Nums. <laughs> Maybe he's a student of this game. Nate ITM is about getting a glow from both his mom and stepdad. And we get the rose ceremony. First flower goes to Brandon. Second flower goes to Nate. He doesn't even get the last flower for this whole buildup they're trying to do about. We don't know if he's ready. He might run away. (laughs) I know. He's not even the last flower. I know. Bristow issues a dark touch and we get the last flower goes to Joe. Goodbye to underdog Appleman Rodney. We savored your suffering. Your hooju was worse than no hooju from Joe Coleman. Yeah, that's true. That's actually literally true. And so Michelle walks him out. We get this dumping bench, which the producers have seen fit to put right in the middle of what seems like a NASCAR track in the middle of a hurricane. You can't (laughs) hear anything they're saying. It is the literal loudest place (laughs) in Minnesota. They have chosen to plop these two people down to have their final conversation. It was crazy. (laughs) It was unfucking believable Like, just move them inside. Move them 10 feet that way, and they can just have this conversation in the lobby. Take your little bench. I I can't. I just can't. So they have this conversation (laughs) where she is assuring Rodney that despite their underdog conversations, he is enough. And she says, feelings moved quicker in other relationships, but he's an amazing person. Rodney's so special. And he says that he's falling in love with her. He LL3s her post-mortem here. It doesn't change easily, he says, and he'll always care about her forever. She tears. He thanks her. One last hug. He gets in the car. And uh, his exit speech is him just saying, Michelle's amazing. Even with them breaking up, he cares about her. He can't forget the moments they've shared. It's always going to be on his mind and his heart. They could have had something very special and very long-lasting. And Michelle saw her future with someone else in that room. It hurts. Just wasn't meant to be, I guess. Pretty good exit speech. You know, saying that the process Mm. did work for him. He was falling in love. It just wasn't with the right person. I'm sure we'll see him on Paradise. And then we get our teaser. Monday, December 6th is the Mentel All, unlike anything you've ever seen before. So next week, we will have an episode out on Tuesday, our recap. And then uh, we see Monday, January 3rd, The Bachelor returns. And we get some shots from this season. It's Clayton, of course. And we see... Uh, there's people fighting. People can't be trusted. Tears sobbing. Clayton says, I'm done. It's over. And then he says, I'm so broken. <laughs> I'm so broken. I think that's our bringer home to us. I'm so broken. This is the same motherfucker who screamed at the top of his lungs. Let's go. I'm the ultimate Viking. I'm the ultimate Viking. I'm so broken. How did he go from I'm the ultimate Viking to I'm so broken? 
in a, a matter of a month. That's the power of the producers, I suppose. But didn't we already also have broken? Wasn't that Mesny? Maybe. I don't know if it's a callback to Mesny or not, but then we have the tag and it is uh, Rodney and Michelle continuing this apple eating thing. And they do a, a mock cooking show intro called How About Them Apples? And Rodney keeps fucking it up. And that's that's how we get to end Rodney's time in game. They tried to give him a little funny out. Didn't work. It was a failure. But that's it. That was Hometowns. We had a lot of great play in this. I love to see these hoojus. And again, what Nate did is just transcendent. There's nothing... I mean, no player is coming close to anything he's doing this season. It is a complete dominant run or a charminant run, if you will. It, mm-hmm. It's just unreal to watch this. And I don't know exactly where I fall on like, he's a good player, for sure. A good player. I'm not taking anything away from him. Sounds like you're gonna. No, I'm not. I'm just saying the field of competitors is also <laughs> very bad. The people he's playing against, mm. with some exception, Joe Coleman is good. Brandon is pretty good. The rest of them are not good players. No one was early in this season. And we're just we're watching somebody who is at such a high level competing against amateurs, novices in the game. For his emotional walls, his reciprocated first ever love level four with Charles, his tear play, his mom, four TRR, Kringling Michelle students, earning him not last flower despite how they edit it to make it seem like he might not get it. Nate was also my... M M M M V P P P P P Nate was also my M M M M M V P I guess I assumed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he crushed everybody. Uh, There's just. This is his season. We thought it was from the very first night one when he got the FIMP. It was just like, oh, this guy has something different. And it has bared to be true for this entire season. Fully expect him to win the ring. And we will see what happens. We'll know next week is mental all. And then we'll see what happens at Fantasy Suites and beyond. But we're in the playoffs now. And it's pretty entertaining. I do think the level of play has stepped up a little bit. And I thought this was a, a pretty fun week, actually. I'm curious to see what the ratings will be. Oh, yeah. I love this episode. I think it deserves to not have its ratings be in the toilet. Find out on our Friday episode, Twibbon. That's correct. And until then, thanks everybody for joining us. And before we go, as always. Before we before we go, can we do a little check-in? What are these players' RQs at, Clues? Oh, yeah. I forgot. I ran the numbers. And you're looking at our top three. They have RQs of 2, 2.42, and 4.28. Who do you think is each? Nate, I believe, is the number one. The worst one is 4.28. Who do you think has that? That's hard. I think it's between Brandon and Joe. I'm going to say Brandon. It's Joe. Joe came in last on night one, and that gave him a (sighs) 22-point rose. Then he got a group date rose. I forgot about his last flower. A first flower, a three-pointer, a one-on-one, another first flower, and then a three-pointer. And so he has a 4.28 coming in at second place is Brandon, who had a 12 pointer on night one, 
two group date roses back to back, a first flower, a three pointer, a one on one and a first flower. So he's got a 2.42. And then Nate is in the lead with that Fimp Rose, a first flower, a four pointer, a seven pointer, a one on one rose, a group date rose and a two pointer. He's at an even two with his RQ. That seven pointer was just foreplay. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) None of these are like stellar. You know, I would say anything two Mm -hmm. and below is like, that's a pretty solid RQ. But none of these are like record-breaking or anything like that. And Joe's is actually bad. Hmm. 4.28 is actually not great. But again, he got waylaid by that 22-point rose because the whole night one thing was like, they knew each other before the season. Is she going to keep him around or not? So he was kind of meant to be the the cliffhanger. But there you have it. Uh, And now, before we go, as always, what is that Dwab at? It has been 7,191 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now. Head to toe, dressed in quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses we're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer it's a great time of year it's a time for renewal for me that means reconnecting with friends and family i haven't seen for a while and when i do i want to make sure i have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with that's why first leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me 
who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough. Not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y. F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.